Thanks, Amy Joe. It is exciting to hear all the ways that Brentwood Baptist Church is engaged in ministry and mission, not only here in Middle Tennessee, but around the world, and the difference that you're making because of your faithfulness. Today, we're going to start a new series. The series is called Our Hope is Him. I don't know about you, but I've had lots of conversations with people over these last several days, and it seems that hope is in, well, a rather limited supply. We have just about had it. We're at the end of our rope. All of our edges are starting to fray. We had to stay home for several weeks with COVID, the quarantine, warnings about how everybody was going to be infected. And so we were stranded at home with our families 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We got closer to our family than we ever wanted to be. And now they're talking if the COVID infections continue to spike, uh-oh, they'll call for another quarantine. That just may be more good news than we can stand. On and on the list goes. People are worried about jobs. People are worried about the stress of their families. People are worried about themselves. More and more, we sound like the end of an episode of Gilligan's Island. Now, a lot of you aren't old enough to remember a great old television program called Gilligan's Island. It's about a group of castaways, a couple of people who went for an afternoon cruise on a, on a yacht and got caught in a storm, and they were shipwrecked on an uncharted island for years. Every episode went the same way. They would start out with some kind of hope. Somebody would have seen them. A plane would have flown over, a ship gone nearby. They would have contacted someone who would promise to remember where they were and send help. Then something would happen, and help wouldn't come. At the end of the movie, they would all, at the end of the series, they'd all be sitting together, exhaling, sighing, we're never going to get off this island. We're never going to be rescued. They had no hope. It's the same conversation you're having with yourself, your family, and everybody else, isn't it? Nobody's ever going to rescue us. Nobody knows where we are. Nobody can get to us. Nobody can help. We've lost our hope. Believe it or not, we're not the first person, not even the first believer to struggle with hope. Several hundred years ago, a prophet by the name of Ezekiel encountered a hopeless group of people in Babylon. He wondered if God had heard their prayers, if God was going to answer and rescue them from the exile of Babylon. God answered in the 37th chapter. 37th chapter of Ezekiel. If you are at home, if you are with us, why don't you stand? It's still a nice way to honor the scriptures and recognize that this book is very, very different than any other book we have. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very 
very dry. Then God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I, as I had been commanded. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these who were slain so that they may live. So I prophesied and he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And how they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken it. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. I have spoken it. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Lord Jesus, we know how Ezekiel must have felt looking at that valley of despair, wondering what in the world could happen here, and knowing in our heart of hearts that if anything's going to change, if anything's going to be different, it's going to be because you act. So, Lord God, as we look at our life, only you know if our world can be changed. So we pray that you would give us the faith to prophesy that bones would be gathered together and tendons put on them and muscle return and skin cover them and breath fill them again. That all of those who cry out in despair and hopelessness will live. And they will know that you are the Lord. And we pray this in your name. It had been a tough time for Ezekiel. Ezekiel had joined the other exiles in Babylon. It was a terrible time for Israel. Israel was sure that God would never let Jerusalem fall, that he would never let the temple be destroyed. And yet, the Babylonians had done all of that and more. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple burned. The best and brightest... Well, they were taken back to Babylon, and now Ezekiel joins them. He's so overwhelmed when he meets them, he tells us at the beginning of his book that he sat down for days and didn't say a thing. And now, 
as his book draws to a close, God takes him to the valley where a great battle had been fought. You remember, Ezekiel told us that these were the bones of people who had been slain. Maybe it was the battle that Israel had fought with Babylon. We don't know. We know that it was a devastating defeat, an overwhelming conquest, so much so that the opposing king had left the dead of the enemy to rot in the sun. That was a double humiliation. Not only were they killed in battle, but they weren't even given a proper burial. And now, Ezekiel is standing in this valley where there is bone after bone after bone, an entire valley filled with the scattering of bones. Not only were they scattered with bones, they were totally dried out. They had been bleached in the sun. There was no residence, uh, leftover DNA. There was no little bit of this or that. Everything was gone. There was no hope. It had been burned away in the desert sun. And now God asks a hard question, son of man, can these bones live? Well, Ezekiel was a prophet. Surely he knew that the right answer to that is yes. Yes, these bones can live. You're God, you can do anything. But sometimes reality overwhelms faith, doesn't it? The only thing that Ezekiel knew in that moment was how dead these bones were. I'm sure, like most of us, he wanted to say yes. But all he could do was say, this question is too hard. Only you know the answer. Prophesy to them. Tell them that I'm going to put their bodies back together. And Ezekiel? How foolish he must have felt stepping forth in that valley with nobody to hear him, beginning to preach the word of God. And as he preached, there was a sound of rattling. Not only did the bones find each other, but the right bones found the right bones. The right people came out of all of this collection of bones. Wild animals had scattered them. Winds had pushed them around. Some of them had been buried under the sand. But now these bones sought the proper body and came together bone to bone, tendon connecting bone to bone, muscle and skin covering them all. And yet, Ezekiel says, it wasn't enough. They had no breath. Keep preaching, God says to Ezekiel, Call the winds that they will come and bring breath. Do you remember one of the very first stories in the Bible, how God creates Adam out of the dust, how he molds Adam's body, and then you have this beautiful poetic moment of God leaning over his creation and blowing breath into Adam, and Adam becomes a living soul. Now the winds come from all four corners of the earth, and they blow breath into these corpses. <gasps> the sound must have gone on for hours as each person finally caught their breath and stood in front of Ezekiel to exhale an 
hallelujah of praise. Son of man, tell Israel, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to pull them out of their graves. I'm going to give their life back to them. I'm going to do it in such a way that they know I am the Lord. I have said it. I will do it. Tell Israel what I've told you. We are desperate for answers. We want to know how to find an answer to our questions about racial reconciliation. How can people of different colors, different backgrounds, different experiences find a way to be family together? How can we find some kind of common ground so we can work together to build a better community, a better nation? How can we get through this COVID virus thing that we can't even see? When doctors tell us, well, wear a mask, and then they say, well, don't wear a mask. No, wear a mask. Don't touch anything. It's okay if you touch some things. We're confused. We're angry. And we're running out of hope. Things we had counted on, people we had counted on, while they're all failing us. It's hard, isn't it, to look at this valley of dry bones and recognize that everything we have done has failed. Everything we have tried has just made the matter worse. And now we don't have any hope of things getting better. And yet we hear the story again of the gospel of Jesus Christ who says, no matter how bad it is, I can bring life from death. His own story, the story of the crucifixion where he took our sin into the grave. God calls him out of that grave. He leaves our sin in his death and he comes to new life, this new life that is now a guarantee of the new life he wants to give you. Understand, it's not a political problem we're dealing with. It's not something we can fix with legislation or electing the right politician. We're dealing with a sin problem. And this sin always leads to this valley of despair. So like Ezekiel, I get to stand in front of you and say, this is what the Lord has said. He can bring your life back together. Remember all the stories we have of the greatness of God are about when he stepped into the mess we had made, Noah and the flood, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the birth of the church, on and on the stories go. Things were so messed up, we didn't see how anything good could come out of it or anything could be done with it, and yet God steps in it, and resurrection happens, new life happens. I know you're looking at your life or what used to be your life, and you're beginning to wonder if God can change anything if God can do anything. And like Ezekiel, your answer now is, honestly, Lord, that question is too hard for me. And his answer back to you, believe. The same father that called Jesus back to life 
is now calling you back to life. Past your failure, past your sin, past any social circumstance you find yourself in. He's going to begin something new. And it starts when he creates a new life. It begins when he blows his Holy Spirit into you. We have this hope that's been hidden from the beginning of time, Paul says. The hope, Christ in you. The hope of glory. Not only do we endure our afflictions, Paul writes, we celebrate them because we know afflictions, well, that breeds endurance. Endurance, it breeds character. And character brings hope. And our hope doesn't fail us because our hope is the love of God poured into us through his Holy Spirit. Get the picture? God breathes into Adam. The winds breathe into the valley of bones. God pours himself into you. And you become alive through his spirit. That's our hope. And Jesus is the guarantee. Oh, the good news of the gospel is more than you can be born again. The good news that you can live again. And the Spirit will come and give you breath. And as you inhale the fullness of who he is, your first exhale will be hallelujah. He is the Lord. He has said it. He will do it so that you and I will know that Jesus and Jesus alone is the Lord. The hope we have is him. Let's pray together. For all of us, who are hopeless for all of us who deal with despair. Fill our lives with the presence of your risen Son who is our hope, our guarantee. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Peter writes in his letter, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Here's the reason for the hope we have. Yes, Jesus knows how messed up our world is. It's not catching him by surprise. It hasn't caught him off guard. He has taken the worst moment of history, the death of Jesus Christ, and made it the first statement of our testimony. Christ is alive. He is our hope. He is our guarantee. I hope his presence fills your life this week so that you will know he said it, he will do it. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, our guarantee.